0: Hello and welcome back to this edition of Devils in the Details presented by WSU Sports where today we're finally in the 2023 NHL playoffs and your New Jersey Devils are headed to the second round for the first time in over 10 years as they recently defeated their storied rival New York Rangers in seven games in the latest edition of the Hudson River Rivalry. I'm John Height and for this episode I am joined by Mike Belafemini and Ryan Henry um, So, guys, before we break down the series and preview their next matchup, which will be against Carolina, um, starting on May the 3rd, how are you guys both doing, Mike? I'll let you go first.
1: John, I'm doing pretty good. That was a really crazy comeback in that series from down 2-0, and then they take four out of five. I had a feeling that series would go at least six, and it did go to seven. I think that was my prediction in the preview episode with you and and Makuch. But um, it was just... Really hard fought series all around.
2: Yeah, I mean it lived up to the billing. And it really it wasn't originally supposed to or not originally supposed to, it wasn't originally looking like that was going to be the case, but the devils came back and we'll get break that down a bit later. But it was a very exciting series. The the game seven was a high tense environment. Game one when it's first started was a very high tense environment around the station. Uh oh, it lived up to the billing.
1: It
0: definitely did. And whenever these two teams play, I mean, there's always special moments and the is intense as ever. Um, but let me break down uh, the scores for each of the seven games before we go game by game. So in game number one, and game number two at the Prudential Center, the Rangers won 5-1 to one both times. They dominated both of those games. They um, had a lot of success on the power play, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a sec. Um, but going back to MSG game three, things were not looking great for the Devils. I mean, people are talking about the inexperience of this team, and and just how you know, a lot of their players, outside of maybe Andre Palat and Eric Hall had not had the playoff experience that the Rangers had as 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 recently as last postseason. But game three, Dougie Hamilton sent the Devils into a two-one deficit. After that one, they won two to one. He scored the overtime winner. A couple of days later, um it was yeah, two days later. Devils won three to one at MSG. So both team both teams. Were able to steal two on the road. Um, So heading back to Prudential Center for game number five, the Devils were able to shut out the Rangers for the first of two times in the series, four to nothing. Uh, Game number six, the Rangers responded; their season was on the line in MSG, and they won five to two. And obviously on Monday, the Devils—I mean, it was all gas, no breaks—they destroyed the Rangers, four to nothing. It was really just a masterclass. Rangers had nothing going offensively. Um, outside of Igor Shasturkin, no one seemed like they came to play at all um, in terms of offensively and obviously defensively. The Devils had a lot of different players step up on both ends of the ice. But those are the scores. Now let's break down each game. So game one, like I mentioned, they won 5-1. to one. Ryan, we'll start with you. You guys just give your thoughts about the game and um, who are some players that, that stood out to you. And just what were your thoughts after a game one where the Rangers dominated the Devils on their own home ice, you know, obviously the Devils had not been in the playoffs for, for a couple of years since the Tampa series of of years ago. So just
2: give me your thoughts. So game one, uh, the Rangers come out and really kind of give them the business. Chris Kreider, who we will, I'll say this because you mentioned not really anyone should have. Chris Kreider had an excellent series for the Rangers. And I, I know he got a lot of his goals on the power play, but, Still, he was able to score goals regardless for New York. So he had a couple in this game. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Hughes, I remember took the, uh, it was kind of, it was a garbage time goal, but he didn't get shut out. Uh, the Rangers were really dominant in that contest. Uh, and you know, I think the big thing and the difference maker in this game and what really in the games the Devils won, the games they lost were being able to get out of the penalty box. Uh, the Devils gave up two power play chances in this, uh, in this game, so, you know, that that's kind of my thing. They really got punched in the gut, but they were able to bounce back from it later on in the series, and sometimes you kind of need a wake-up call like that, especially when you're a young team in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the Devils were shut out most of that game, and they hadn't been shut out the whole year, so the big storyline was that they were about to get shut out, but then Jack Hughes got the penalty shot late in that game, and Adam Fox had four assists that game with two for three on the power play. So it just it was a wake up call, as as Hen said, and Igor did his thing, and uh, Vanek looked rough, but he got hung out to, to dry for most of that game, I think.
0: And I like how you guys mentioned, um, I think it was you, Ryan, especially that. I mean, the obviously the Rangers have had trouble scoring at five on five throughout the last two seasons, and adding all these superstars onto the team, it ultimately didn't really make a difference because a majority of their goals did come from the power play. The Devils showed some inexperience in this, in the, in this game, um, where they were just going to the box too many times. And when you have all these guys in the power play, I mean, that's how the Rangers made their bread and butter offensively. Chris Kreider said all the, you know, all these goal accomplishments throughout this series. He had two. Vladimir Tarasenko, one of the big trade deadline acquisitions. He opened the scoring. Ryan Lindgren had a pretty nice goal, um, throughout the second period. And the Filipino had the empty netter. And like you mentioned, Jack Hughes had a penalty shot. I believe Truba took the penalty. And that was just a way for the Devils not to get shut out. I mean that was an impressive stat that they've had this season where the you know the, they were seemingly never shut out, um, despite, you know, how poorly they could play in a game. Um, but all right, let's head to game number two. Much of the same I feel like we'll we'll we'll, we'll hit on for this year, for this game. Uh Rangers won five to one again. Uh I mean, in this game the Devils scored first, but Mike, you can uh lead us off with your
1: analysis for this. So uh this game was Different in the start that the Devils got the first goal of this game, and uh, it was they took the, f- the lead into the first intermission. They got the goal on the power play from Eric Hala. it was on a rebound after uh, Igor got the first shot and the puck was there. Hala put it in the back of the net, and uh, the game kind of unraveled again with the special teams. Um, the Rangers scored another two power play goals, they actually had seven power plays in that game, and a lot of that happened late when there were like it, like it felt like a billion game misconducts for given out. Like half the bench had to get emptied for both teams. And um Adam Fox had another two assists. Patrick Kane had a nice backhand tuck late in the game, three point night. And uh it was it was more the same for the Rangers and after that people started talking about sweep.
2: Yeah, I mean I remember it seemed like the Devils were really frustrated with their performance and it really kind of culminated in that second game. Uh you mentioned all the, the penalties and the game misconducts I I forget who was the one who really kind of started it all, but there was a big, you know, fight going on between a lot of the, the players, you know, uh, Miles Wood got a game misconduct ball, VC, Brendan Smith, T- Timo Meyer picked it up uh during that time as well. And it, it, it was just a, a crazy whirlwind of pent up emotion, obviously frustration, you know, VTech kind of got, sho- this VTech got shelf to 10 goals allowed across two games. Um The offense wasn't really given a whole lot. The belf, like you said, the special teams play was, was really the difference maker where they kept allowing these penalties and it kind of culminated into that game. And like you said, there was a lot of discussion that a sweep may be on the horizons because the Rangers took both games of Prudential. They were going back to MSG with essentially all the momentum in the series that ended up not happening, but it, it definitely looked like from the, from the outset that it could have happened.
0: And I mean, like you mentioned, the Rangers really could not have been in a better spot. I mean, stealing at least one on the road is usually the the the, the trademark for any playoff series, I think, regardless of the sport. But getting two and dominating your opponent like that, the way they did, um, they had all the world, going back to MSG. And I think the main problem for the Devils in, in that two-game set was because they made their mantra throughout the whole season. And, you know, the way this team is built, you know, it's just speed, scoring on the rush, you know, keeping their opponent on their toes and you know, they were not getting used to the the quote unquote physical side of playoff hockey um, throughout that which the Rangers I think had been accustomed to last year, they learned how to play like that. And I think the Devils were trying too hard to play like that when that really wasn't their style of hockey. Not all teams can embrace that in the playoffs, and ultimately I think by the time game 3 rolled around, they sort of Took some some remnants of that and went back to their original game of just being faster than the Rangers because they were the Rangers could not keep up with the Devils by the end of the series, which made sense for the amount of wins and you know tr- trading some of that physical element which they still had some from guys like Timo Meyer some of their defensemen but going back to their brand of hockey that got them into that position and in that game you mentioned Eric Hall got a power play goal for the Rangers Kreider had two more goals Uh Mike you mentioned it was a, it was the best game Patrick Kane had played in the series he pretty much disappeared after that but that was his big game Tarasenko had another goal and then Kako had I think a goal at the very end as well but let's now go to when the series completely shifted turned on its head um it was game three at MSG this was a tight one um there were so many things going on in this game I mean it was goals galore you know for the Rangers the first two games I mean This began, this, this began, excuse me, the stretch where they just had just all the trouble in the world putting the puck in the back of net, back of the net, um, at even strength. Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts on this one?
2: I mean, the big storyline of this game and the reason why they came on top, you, they made the call, the devil made the call. Coach Ruff decided to put in Akira Schmidt, who, who, you know, he had a lot of bright, he was very good as a backup but no one really knew how he was going to play as a starter. This is his first playoff series going into MSG. I mean, I don't know if there's much higher pressure situations. A, you know, rookie slash second-year player, because he did play some last year, can enter into than Madison Square Garden, especially a raucous Rangers crowd who definitely had a lot of expectations, and he played lights out. Uh, Jack Hughes obviously picked up that huge power play goal, and then Dougie Hamilton hit hit the snipe to sent to win that first ot game but I mean Akira Schmidt it had to be the the kind well he was the turning point of the series but that game especially marked his dominance just coming in msg amazing performance thirty five of 36 shots saved uh you know and especially in that extended time excellent performance by Schmidt and he was the catalyst for what would end
1: up being a series win for the devils I think that um that third game was I would say probably still a pretty good game for the Rangers. They outshot the Devils, and when they got the first goal, I thought that it'd be more of the same. And I thought because it was pretty even at that point, but the Devils had no luck at that point. And I thought Rangers were cruising to to possibly throw series lead, and once they got one past Schmid, maybe it would have been you know an avalanche of goals because obviously it's his debut, unproven guy, but he he held down the fort and. The Devils managed to capitalize on um, one of the three power plays they had with Jack Hughes scoring the second goal of the series. And then um third period was very like def- defense heavy. Um the shot totals were six six each in that third period. I mean, it was just a lot of block shots, not a lot of traffic to the net. It was all defense, and then over time more the same until that uh goal was scored eventually. It was uh not that. Leading the game about half, halfway through the first overtime it didn't take that long for the OT goal, but uh, Jesper Brad had a good zone intri- uh zone entry and he found Dougie and Hamilton ripped one over over Shesterkin, and the Devils got new life.
0: It completely changed, I think, the momentum of the series, and this is just the, how the Devils have been all season long. Um even when they were going through the beginning of the season. I mean, this actually does remind me of the beginning of the season where they lost those two games to Detroit and Philly to start the year and then went on to the tear, and that's basically what happened again, just showing the resilience of this group. Um I think at that point, too, when you're down 2-0, you're young, you're inexperienced, I think the pressure kind of came off of them because they're playing with house money. The Rangers had all the pressure in the world because they're – this was a team built for this season and, and maybe even a little bit of next year where, you know, a lot of older players, they're trying to go for a cup. The Devils weren't supposed to, quote-unquote, be there in the first place, um, similar to the Ranger team of last year. And at that point, you know, they're just playing. Um, they had some some younger guys step up against Jack Hughes at the power play goal. Um, Dougie Hamilton, I mean, that was probably the best shot of his career and most important goal of his career. Um, it completely changed momentum after that Crider goal which then led to game number four, also at MSG, and the Devils won 3-1. to one. And we can have a whole discussion. I mean, this could be another whole podcast episode of, I mean, Akira Schmid's performance throughout this whole series. I mean, being one of the most impressive performances by a rookie um, in the NHL playoffs in a very, very long time and the dominance that he was able to, to display on a nightly basis outside of game number six. Mike, you could start for uh, game
1: number four here. So I think Game 4 was, at that point, the best game the Devils had played. Uh, the shots were even, but the Devils controlled the puck for a lot of that game. And no power play goals were scored. Devils got a really early game, um, got ahead early in the game. Uh, the play was in the Rangers end originally, and it was like sitting near the goal line on a scramble. And Siegenthaler made such a great play. He backhanded it out of the zone. It really seemed like a clearing attempt, and there was Jack Hughes up the ice, and he scored on the breakaway, and that kind of set the tone. Devils had the lead for a while. Then the Rangers answered early in the third, tied the game, and then uh, it was Siegenthaler. Again, they say postseason brings out some unsung heroes. Siegenthaler was the, the guy of the game. In game four, he got a great cross-ice feed from his fellow, uh, his fellow uh, Swiss player with uh, sure the captain, and Siegenthaler ripped one off the bar and in. And I gave the Devils the lead back. And then Pilata Ice did with the empty netter. And Schmid had another great game. Another another guy from Switzerland, I think, the Devils have like most of the, the Swiss players in the league. And they really came up big there in that game. And uh, Siegenthaler was originally a, a traded for a conditional pick. And a lot of the Devils players that have been on this decor have been formed from just like getting scraps. Gra- Graves was a trade in Colorado because they didn't want Seattle to take in the expansion draft. Marino because the Penguins were in some cat trouble. So um defense got picked together and Seaganthal was a big part of that and he helped he was a big part of that game four win.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean first of all, like you mentioned, uh John to start here Smith once again another dominant performance, only one goal allowed in twenty three shot times. But that play, uh I mean that just that's the some chemistry between Seagenthaler and Jack Hughes there because you know Siegenthaler trying to clear it I don't know if you ever saw Jack Hughes break away but it was perfectly time where you know Siegenthaler was tempting to clear Jack Hughes sees that he's going to make it he just darts uh I don't know who he out uh skated but I mean that's just Jack Hughes Jack Hughes making Jack Hughes plays out in the open ice is able to beat the defender get a great opportunity scores on the net and then Siegenthaler another goal and it was funny I remember watching uh this game I was watching with a couple of people from WSU and I don't know what it is, but you know, you know, are always loves performing when I'm especially watching and attentive. Uh, uh, I covered a couple of, when I covered the devil's games this year, uh, I think I covered in total like 10, 10 or 12 or so. And he scored two, two of them, two of his three regular season goals came in games. I covered, which I don't know. I think, I think I'm a good luck charm for him. Maybe, maybe for next year, I'll go take more games and see and have him, uh, score like 41 goals or something. I don't know. But so, uh, I just remember, you know, Siegenthaler had a beautiful snipe, and then that kind of sealed the game, and then Andre Pallotta just had that empty netter. But, I mean, yeah, Siegenthaler, who's more known for his defensive ability, his penalty kill ability, had an excellent offensive game on this one to make this essentially a best-of-three series with two games at Prudential Center.
0: I mean, the way he plays in front of you, Ryan, he should, he should really buy you a steak dinner or something, and especially – in this game, we gotta even talk about. I think I'm getting this right. I think game two he was scratched by Coach Lindy Ruff after you know a pretty rough game one. I think their whole defense um, just wasn't effective in that game, but he was on the ice. I think for a couple of goals allowed. Um, really wasn't a smart decision because Seigan Dollar has been one of their defensemen, uh, best defenseman all season long. Um, he answered in a big way in game number four, had a goal and an assist. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm even reading just an ESPN article and the, the headline, Devils suddenly brimming with confidence. And that's what happens when, you know, it turned into the Devils style of play. It was a faster pace. The Rangers could not keep up with the Devils. The Devils were getting more disciplined in terms of of committing penalties and feeding into the Rangers strength, which is scoring on the power play. So things are starting to really turn around for the Devils at this point. So the series was tied two to two um after, you know, both teams. Swept each other at the at their respective um, arenas, and then you figured at game game five <clears throat> at the Prudential Center. The last time the Rangers played there, they had won five to one both times. Well, it was a completely different story as the Devils won four to nothing in this game. Um, I mean, Schmidt had or Schmidt had his first uh, playoff shutout. Um, I was only three games into his playoff career. Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. I mean, what were your thoughts after this impressive performance?
2: I mean, this is just kind of really the beginning of, you know, when really stuff unraveled for the Rangers because you look, you know, they they won the first two games, they lose the next two, but losing a game five, especially in a 2-2 series, is the most important game to win. And I know they ended up winning game six, and we could talk about that, but, you know, they just seemed outbeat at almost every – in every aspect. I mean, you know – Schmid outperformed Igor. You know, Igor still had a very solid game. I, I don't think he should take the blame for losing this game. Eric Halla, you know, amazing performance. Dawson Mercer on the penalty kill. Rangers had one of their first, like first two chances to really kind of make this a game. And, you know, Dawson Mercer, you know, pe- Dawson Mercer able to get the shorty, gets steals the puck and then able to, to bang out a goal. But you look at the Rangers, you know, frustration really started to settle in there. I mean, You know, almost what eight, nine attempts on the penalty power play for the, for the Devils. It's just, it was really unacceptable on the Rangers part. And, you know, the, the Devils stood held home, held, held home ice and were able to carry that into a game six and able to steal the deal in game seven. But I think this is when stuff really started unraveling for the Rangers. Their offense just went dormant in a sense and the frustration started to, to spill out a bit, uh, especially on just the special teams play, how much, you know, their penalty plays, their power play suffered, and then their penalty kill, or not the penalty kill, they just got too many unnecessary penalties.
1: Yeah, after losing both at home, the Rangers, their best thing they needed was to have a, a clean first period, maybe win that period, and then 39 seconds in the game, out scores on a, a, a play where the Rangers won the face-off, and... They caught Igor off guard. He had to make a save. And then uh, a lot got a puck that trickled by. And that put him up early. And then that kind of just took the Rangers off their flow the whole game. This was like the first time in a Devils win that the shots were skewed. The Devils outshot the Rangers 43-23. to 23. And their power play continued to suffer. They went over 2 uh, Eric Hollis scored a power play goal. Mercer scored shorthanded, Hall got the empty netter, so Hall had two goals that game, and, you know, it was more about the Rangers and how they they weren't starting to perform, the fan base was getting mad for leaving Eagle out to dry, like they always did with Lundqvist back in the day, and, you know, some guys stepped up earlier in that series, Kreider, he scored a lot in the first few games, Garsenko was scoring, Kane had a good first couple games, Fox was racking up the assist, but two guys that just weren't there. That are expected to be there were Zibanejad and Panarin, and Panarin was the guy that fumbled the puck that led the Mercer scoring. So, people were starting to to rip on their superstars, and the the whole Ranger team just seemed lost after that fifth game.
0: Yeah, and Mike, you brought that up, and I think what people were saying a lot about Zibanejad and Panarin. Um, I mean, this was reminiscent of last season against uh, the Penguins whereas Benajad, especially, I think he had like one or two points in the first five games of the series and exploded for Game 6 and 7. Um, But for Panarin, I mean, he's been so great for the Rangers in the regular season since he's been in New York. But the real issue has been outside of the, the overtime Game 7 winner against Pittsburgh last year. um, He really has been a, more of a liability, Um, and he has like the second biggest cap hit, I think, in the NHL right now. And when you're paying someone that much, and a lot of his playmaking and, and his passing, which is why he gets paid that much, because he's among the league's best. Um, When that gets completely neutralized in the playoffs, he really doesn't bring a whole lot to the table um in terms of the, the playoff hockey style. And, again, his shot was off as well, which is another big part of his game. I know his passing is number one, but the Devils did a good job blocking his shots. His shot wasn't accurate as well. And for some strange reason, I think in this game, too, the Rangers, um, for the first couple of games of the series, didn't have Zibanejad in his main spot on the power play on the wing, where he usually takes one-timers. They had him in the bumper for some unknown reason. I think that's part of the reason why he did really absolutely nothing until game six. But going back to the Devils, Eric Hollett, two goals, one assist, just a great performance. You know, you see that the leadership that he's brought to the Devils, um, that that trade with Pavel, for, for um, Pavel Zaka worked out beautifully for the Devils for this playoff run. And, just the fact that he's been able to score in so many key moments. Uh, Like you mentioned, Panarin turned the puck over Dawson Mercer, was able to score the shorthanded goal after having a pretty quiet series though up until that point. And we'll talk a little bit more about the individual player performances um right when we're done with, with these last two games. So let's head to game number six, which was a game where it was back at MSG. The Devils had won three straight. Rangers were, you know, completely just out of their minds at that point. You know, the fans were. Um the ownership was um Gerard Gallant had been out coached by Lindy Ruff for three straight games after doing a pretty good job in the first two. Um but the Rangers responded at home in front of their fans and won five to two. Um this was a game where Kreider woke up again and he had a, a goal and two assists. Um but Mike you can uh start first here.
1: Yeah it's always tough in a playoff series to steal all three games on the road. So I I thought it would be tough for the Devils to win this game, even though the Rangers were completely out of it. But it's it got off to a good start because out of all people, Curtis Lazar started the scoring, and that's like that was only his sixth game as a Devil since getting traded. He had some problems, some some struggles after being acquired by uh, from Vancouver. So it was good to see him get on the board. And then um, right before the first period ended, just. Devils really got into some penalty trouble this game, and it bit them. finally. The Rangers finally ended their drought, and Zibinadjad finally got that one-timer, and in, in John, you said, his, his nice little wheelhouse spot in the circle, and it went off Kreider's legging in to tie it, and then Zibinadjad got on the board in the second period, and then Tarasenko scored, and at that point, it was starting to get away from them. and then the third period was pretty sloppy from the Devils, a lot of turnovers that led to the Goodrow goal make a 4-1, and then a point shot. A simple point shot got Braden Schneider's first goal since January. And uh that actually forced Schmidt out of the game. Schmidt had been basically, basically a brick wall up until the game six, and uh, the Devils decided to pull him with about, I don't know, about five. Well, I think it was right after the Schneider goal, so like seven minutes left. And they put Vanacek in, and Vanacek didn't see any shots because the Devils also emptied the net for a while. Which led to Mercer scoring again because it was a six on four. But by the time the damage was done, Igor was great, 34 out of 36, and uh, the Rangers they they got their they got their mojo back in front of the home crowd, and it and it set up a big Game Seven back in in Newark.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, this was Belfast. Like you said, I mean, this was the only game that Schmidt really just didn't perform well and gave up. You know, there's five goals. And then, I mean, you talk about the, the power play. Finally, the, the Rangers broke that drought. Chris Kreider gets one of his little cheeky, uh, little tap ins to to end the first period. Uh, and then it was just a fest, uh, an an offensive slugfest for the, the Rangers all around. Everyone was getting involved. Zabadjad finally scored a goal. Barclay Goudreau scored Braden Schneider and the, the Devils did have that, 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 excuse me, that goal. Towards the end, they make it a bit closer of a, of a of a contest, but I mean, still, Rangers were you know the better team essentially, especially for those last forty minutes, where the the offense was just clicking on, clicking on all cylinders, and really, this was the the best game maybe maybe outside the first two at home, but this is the best game the Rangers have played, especially since that game too, and the the Devils really this was the game the Devils had been outmatched at MSG.
0: Yeah, I think you guys were able to analyze this pretty well. The only thing I'll add was, I mean, this was the only time in in, in the whole series that the Rangers were really able to use the momentum from the crowd at MSG. Um, The crowd was pretty dormant for games uh, three and four when the Devils were were, were playing their style of hockey and just frustrating the Rangers on both ends of the ice. Um, Like you mentioned, I mean, Tarasenko was another guy. I mean, I talked about no one really showing up for the Rangers outside of uh, Shesterkin, you mentioned Kreider, uh, Ryan, but I mean, Tarasenko was another guy that did his best, I think, for most of the series. There's some other guys we'll get to in a sec that were the main reasons why they lost, but let's head to game number seven. So you figure at this point, you know, the Rangers had all the momentum in the world, then lost it. Devils had all the momentum in the world, kind of lost it after a rough game six. Uh, Lindy Ruff had the hardest decision of, of, of the season, and probably in a very long time. Do you roll with Schmidt, who had a really bad game, but before that, like you mentioned, Mike was a brick wall, or do you go back to Banachek, who was part of the reason why they, that, um, he was, you know, brought in in the first place. And obviously he made the right decision. You got to go with the guy that was playing that well and in that moment. And thank God the devils did because they were able to win four to nothing in game number seven in a very non competitive game from the Rangers. Um, I mean, I mean, honestly, it was probably one of the worst game seven performances in sports, I think, in the last probably five to 10 years of just the team not showing up whatsoever. Um, the Devils were able to just, you know, it was a, an even first period, but then the Devils just started to explode. A lot of the Ranger stars played terribly in that game. Um, one name was Adam Fox, who, um, committed the turnover, which led to the Michael McLeod goal, which one of you guys I think are going to break down. But, uh, Ryan, you could take this one first.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, <clears throat> Adam Fox commits the turnover, Plot's able to get the puck, gives it to McLeod. And McLeod, I mean, beautiful move. He initially goes, uh, goes uh, right or tries going right to his offhand and then just kind of undresses Igor, gets a little backhand and then puts the Devils up, uh, one nothing off of a, a, a Rangers power play. So it was even, uh, an even strength or Devils power play goal. It was a shorthanded goal. And I mean, I think this game, you know, obviously the Devils did well, but I think obviously I think this game was more of an indictment on how poorly the Rangers played, or how they kind of just fell, or they kind of just whimpered away. And you know, they no one really showed up for the team. I mean, I think you said Tarasenko played well, and I mean, in a in a game where you you get shut out uh four nothing, I don't know how well you can really play even on an individual level. But I mean, th- this was just an all time collapse, really or a choke job by the Rangers in the game seven where they had won at Prudential twice already could have potentially, you know, they were the team that was projected to win, or at least, you know, they were the team that had been there before, or they had the talent and they kind of just whimpered and kind of left off. I mean, the devils played well, but I think game seven in my opinion was more of an indictment on how poorly the Rangers played.
1: Yeah. Like, You'll see that the series, like, went to seven from a surface, and it's like, oh, that was a great series. It, it was weird. Like, every game, other than game three, maybe you can make the argument for game four, all these games were blowouts. Like, one and two were ugly, five and th- seven were pretty ugly, and then uh, six was pretty much ugly as well. Um, the Rangers outshot the Devils in the seventh game, but a lot of their shots were just from the outside, kind of not really... There were only a few like high leverage scoring chances, like a couple two on ones. But, um, the Devils managed to get on the board because of, um, it was the four on four expiring and McLeod getting the puck. Great forecheck check by Pilott, and That was unbelievable. And then the second goal, was John Marino, just that was like, well, he's not even known for his offense. He just flew through the whole team, whole Ranger team, almost scored, and then he put it right back in front for Tatar. And then, um, you know, the lead was only two nothing, but it just seemed like six nothing the way the Rangers were playing. They just they just did not they seemed dead in that third period, and then they were cheating late in the game and they got they got caught, which shut up the odd man rush. It was like three on one, I think, at one point. But um another one of those one timer cross ice goals And Jack Hughes handed over to who other than Eric Halla with his series his team leading fourth goal of the series. And then uh the the Rangers out of desperation pulled him in the goalie brat scored his first of the series they make it 4-0. And um, I'll say the Rangers are lucky that the Bruins and Avalanche choked the night before because I feel like a lot of the attention went to the, the Bruins and Avalanche and the Rangers after they – people said they, they just stopped caring, I guess, people said after the first two games.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because I think both teams saw what happened the night before. And it's it was a golden opportunity for one of the teams to come out of Game 7. Because arguably, I mean, having Tampa out and Boston out in the East, you know, two of the, the t- arguably best teams on paper and that had the experience. Having them out, there's a lot of inexperience left in these playoffs. Um Ready with Toronto and Florida. And now um the Devils and, and Hurricanes. Obviously, the Hurricanes have been there for a couple of years. And, I mean, the Devils now have a goal and opportunity. Where they don't have to worry about facing off against either Boston or Tampa on the other side of the bracket if they do get past Carolina. But, I mean, this was a game, the Devils, like you mentioned, second half of the game, Ryan, you put it best. The Rangers just didn't seem like they cared at the very end. Um, I think, yeah, they actually outshot the Devils surprisingly, but, um, I think a lot of that too, and you mentioned it, Mike, I think, was they were just forcing everything from the perimeter. They were abandoning their strategy of, of keeping a guy in front like Kreider. Um, the Devils did a good job, you know, in, in the passing lanes, um, in, in the shot lanes and blocking shots. That's a big credit to their defense. John Marino had the good play, but he was great defensively all series long. Um, Nico Hechert, who I'm about to talk about, um, he was great defensively in that game. You know, the points weren't there for him, but defensively, one of the best performances in, in a very long time by a defensive uh, forward for the Devils. Um, but yeah, Tomas sitar Michael McLeod got the shorthanded goal to start things off, and Jesper Bratt with a much-needed goal. He was held scoreless throughout that whole series. But let's look at the stats now. And let's start with the Rangers. Um, so by the end of the series, Kreider arguably, I mean, obviously led the team in points nine and seven games with six goals. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot of issues when you look at this, uh, little stat page. So I'll let both of you guys just read out some names that you found either surprising or not surprising. So Mike, uh, you can go first.
1: So with the, the Rangers, um, Adam Fox was second with eight assists and score goal, but he was really good on the power push. I think. I mean, half his points came in game, game one, the four assists game. And uh, a lot of people pointed the finger at Patrick Kane this series and how he's just not the same guy, but he did have six points third on the team. But I agree that it's just, it's clear that he's past his prime. I mean, the guy is going to be 35 in November. Barasanko had some good ones, four points. Abinajad kind of picked it up near the end of the series with four points as well. And then it tapers off. You got a lot of guys with two and one points. Canarin with a massive drought. I think he got both of his assists in the first two games of the series. He didn't have a goal. Taco with two points. Trochek only with one. And then um Truba, the captain. I know he's not a big offensive guy, no points. And uh number one overall pick in twenty twenty, Alexi Lafreniere. He got a couple of good chances. That line wasn't bad. I think there was they were the best line in game seven. That's what people have said. But Alexi Lafreniere held pointless.
2: Yeah, I mean Kind of looking over, I I think another thing that really stood out, uh, when talking about Fox, obviously it's kind of skewed from that one game, but 16 penalty minutes. I mean, especially just because of how impactful he is on the ice, especially not only like offensive, like defensive, offensively, but also just defensively as well. One of the best, you know, all around defenders in the NHL. A lot of careless mistakes by him. I mean, not only that, we talked about the, the past, uh, was it the game five or game six short or game seven shorthand that they gave up? I can't remember which one, but, but one of the shorthanded, he just, he gave up. And I mean, another person who really, I mean, you're talking about another defenseman who kind of struggled. Keandre Miller, only one point really did give a whole lot from that. Also. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Alexi Lafreniere and I mean, Artemi Panarin, you know, he had, he had the longest, uh, point droughts, of uh, or point, drought, I believe of the season, uh, Heading into that Game 7, he was really struggling to really get things going. John, like you said, uh, you know, his playmaking ability, his pass ability, which makes him all-worldly, got neutralized in the series, and he, you know, didn't show up. He wasn't there for a lot of the games. So, I mean, there was a lot to take away, especially from the Rangers. I mean, Chris Kreider left it all out. uh, Tarasenko did well, and then you had a couple of good games from guys like Patrick Kane's a bad jab, but overall this their their entire series workload could have been more desirable.
0: Yeah, and I mean starting with I mean Lafreniere with zero points. Um just talking about last season when they were versing the Penguins in the first round, just comparing it, like the quote unquote kid line that they've had, um, really generated so much offense and carried the team when the stars had not showed up until game six and seven and the kid line couldn't really do that. And the Devils did a really good job neutralizing Heedel, Kako, and La together. Um, and then obviously they were able to still neutralize players like Panarin, Zvenijad for most of the series. Um Trocek with only one goal, definitely a major issue with the amount of money the Rangers, you know, put in his contract in the offseason. They f- figured him to be the, the, the second line center for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years, and only getting one point out of him when Philip Heedlee was getting paid a lot less he obviously got extended by the end of the season he ended with four points i mean he could have been the second line center and maybe could have kept that money and you know they have so many cap issues this summer will they bring back guys like kane tarasenko and then guys like lafreniere miller they have to make decisions on so they're in some trouble over the summer with what they're going to do going forward but let's head to the devils now
1: actually can we talk about igor really quickly
0: yeah yeah we can Yeah. so i mean you brought up igor um I mean, the one thing which was, I think, kind of ironic, too, was, I mean, he was easily the, the best player for the Rangers throughout this series. He was the only one that seemed like that, that really cared at the very end of it. Um But, I mean, when they were chanting his name, which obviously became a thing from the Penguins series last year, like, he is not remotely the reason why they lost. And you look at his stats, he ended with a 1.96 goals against and a 9.31 save percentage. Those are like Conn Smythe numbers. And unfortunately, the team didn't show up. But I mean, you guys can go real quick. What did you think of
1: Igor's performance? Yeah, like these these numbers, they look like numbers that they deserve to win a series. Like three and four, the, the nine thirty save percentage is, and the goals against under two. It's just criminal all that he he's going he to be sitting on the couch watching the rest of these playoffs. And I remember there, like Igor, he played mad. He played like especially near the end of the series when the rangers were collapsing like i remember in game five he made this crazy save on timo meyer and then it went right to tv timeout he ran right to the bench started yelling at his team like he he was not happy with the lack of goal support and um game seven was more the same you know he 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 was playing the puck way out of, of line trying to get offense started like it was, it, was, it was a shame that, that Igor is out of the playoffs now because I think he was the best goalie left other than maybe Jake Godinger is the only other guy I think you'd make an argument for.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at it, you know, uh, you, you, mentioned it, you, you mentioned it pretty well, Belf. I mean, uh, a 930 save percentage, uh, essentially two goals against average, and the, the Rangers lost. I mean, when you get shut out twice in the same series, it's kind of hard to really... Win many games. I mean, the, if you look at their first, the Rangers' first two games, they scored 10 goals, they won convincingly, and then they combined for five goals in games three, four, five, and seven, which they all lost. So, I mean, you can't, yeah, obviously Igor had made some mistakes, and especially that game, uh, you know, the game four or the game five really wasn't that great on his part, but you can't really pin this loss on him, especially when, in two and one of the games they lost in OT, that the he only gave up two goals. So it is unfortunate. It, it is interesting now because I mean you mentioned it, Belf. A lot of these, a lot of these teams left in the playoffs really don't have, you know, at if not elite goaltending. They they have very. There's a lot of question marks on these teams. I mean, you mentioned Andres, probably the best goalie left remaining in the playoffs. But then you look, you know, Ilya Samsonov in Toronto. He's he's kind of like a Kier Schmidt, where young. He's been hot recently, he's been doing well, but what is the long-term of it? Is it just, you know, flash in the pan, or is he truly legit? You look at Sergei Bobrovsky in Florida, while he's had great moments, he wasn't great in the regular season, got benched for Spencer Knight, and really only came back after Spencer Knight took his leave of absence, and Alex Lyon really wasn't doing a whole lot for them. Uh, Florida with Auntie Rada and Frederick Anderson have been solid, but not amazing. They also do have Peter Koshekov, but... That that I don't think he'll really play. that um, De- uh, of Vegas has dealt with their goalie issues. Edmonton Stewart Skinner is in that same kind of boat with Akira Schmidt. He he got some uh, Calder hype, but prob But you know, what's the long term for him? And then Phil Grubauer in Seattle. He he was always known as a a goalie who really struggled. It uh, was inconsistent. Struggled kind of like a V Tech matchup before he came to the Devils. So it will be interesting to see how the goaltending plays because there's only really one, you know, truly legit, solidified superstar than a lot of young guys or guys who have been great in moments but not, weren't consistently great this entire year. I'm glad you brought up the other goalies because um, I think, I mean, as
0: impressive as as Schmidt was, um, I mean, final series stats, I mean, nine five one save percentage of 1.38 goals against me. That's just phenomenal. Again, Conn Smythe, you know, in contention numbers against, you know, their their most story rival and against, you know, almost a super team in terms of the names on paper that the Rangers had. I think this car this Carolina series that they're gonna have with him, you know, obviously starting game one. Carolina has always been better at scoring five on five than the Rangers have. They're a lot faster than the Rangers. They're very similar to the Devils in terms of their speed and scoring off the rush. So I'm very interested to see What's going to happen when he's really being faced with better high quality scoring chances as opposed to what the Rangers were giving him at even strength You know, outside of the power play. But real quick, before we preview Carolina for a few seconds, talk about the devil stats like we all guessed and like we all would bet on their leading point scorer after seven games was not Jack Hughes. It was Eric Haula with six points in seven games Um whoever wants to go first. Uh, give me some names and, and things you were surprised and not surprised about with this, uh, with this stat sheet.
2: I mean, Eric Halla obviously <clears throat> is the big, oh, sorry, is the big, uh, surprise, but also they didn't have a point per game player, which is very surprisingly because you look, Jack Hughes was over a point per game player. Jesper Bratt was, uh, around that vein as well. I mean, it was more speaking of this game, this series was more in a, Indicative of how well the team defense played. I mean, you mentioned Nico Heischer. He, you know, he didn't score a goal, but he had, he had five points, but he was great defensively, especially shutting down Artemi Panarin. Um, you also look, another thing I was kind of surprised about was Timo Meyer. He's, I, I mean, this is kind of the story since he's been with the Devils, but he's really kind of struggled to find his, you know, rhythm, his routine. He didn't score a single point, not even a goal, just didn't score a single point in this entire series, which I think could also be a credit just how deep this devil team is when your big deadline acquisition who scored forty goals the entire regular season, you know, when he was traded was a consensus top fifteen skater in all hockey, goes pointless and they still end up winning. So that I think that that was really the big the two biggest surprise for me just how well Eric Holla did, how clutch Eric Holla was, and then Timo Meyer not scoring a single point, but the devil's still winning.
1: Yeah, if you want to, like, talk about MVP of the series, I think it's clearly Akira Schmidt, but as a from a skater perspective, I'd I'd probably go with the two veterans of Hall and Palat. Palat was brought in for his playoff experience, and he's been a Ranger killer in the past against uh, the Rangers when he was with the Lightning. And uh, Eric Hall, I mean, he didn't, I remember, like, he was on the line with Jack Hughes during the regular season. He had, like, Three goals and 20 assists. It looked like a defenseman stats. And he just could not bury any goals, but then he started picking up as the season went on. Ended the year with 14. And now he led the team with four in the series. Jack Hughes with five points. As you mentioned, Hen with the five assists for Heesher. And defensively, that's why he's in the Selkie running. He's a finalist today. Uh, just for Bratt, four points. Um, defenseman all with a bunch of two. And, uh, you mentioned with, um, Meyer being held pointless in the minus three uh his physicality was big in the series, though I will say that he was getting in the head of Igor though too, um you know touching his stick and driving into the crease and he drew he, he drew a he made Igor draw a penalty he started swinging at Meyer, that gave the devil a power play it was the Jack Hughes goal in game three but um um I mean you think of Timo Meyer at the end of the series, you're gonna think of the truba hit on him that was like the biggest with his name on it when when Truba came in there and leveled him. And there's debate whether that, that hit was clean or not, but it was uh, no penalty in that game. And, um, yeah, just hopefully Meyer could bounce back in that second round offensively.
0: I think Meyer really embraced the villain role throughout this whole series. And when the points aren't there, I think that's what he was resorting to. I mean, throughout the end of the regular season, I never really understood why, Originally, Coach Ruff was putting Meyer on the third line. I guess he had some chemistry with some of the, the bottom sixers. I mean, you go out, he was the number one trade deadline acquisition in all of hockey. He was number one player on the board and it really wasn't close. Um, but having him be, um, on the third line, he was, I guess, getting more of the physical side to him and he really showed it in this series. Um, and the, obviously the points weren't there. Again, I mentioned before, Nico Heischer did not score a goal, but defensively, did an, an incredible job neutralizing the Zibanejad-Kreider a a and Tarasenko line, which ended up finishing the series. Some other guys, I mean, Dougie Hamilton didn't have even the best series outside of Game 3, had a majority of his points in that game. Um, John Marino only had two points, but, again, him and Ryan Graves were, were, were a shutdown de- uh, defensive pairing. Um, I mean, the guys that were held pointless, Nathan Bastian, uh, Jesper Bocos, Miles Wood, who had a pretty rough series, now, uh, Yegor Sharon who only played two games, and Brennan Smith, who only played, I think, game one. So, there's some guys that definitely are going to need to step up for this series against Carolina. So, let's end this episode with, you know, our little predictions. Um I mean, this is a Carolina team that just defeated the Islanders in six. Uh, Paul Stastny won in overtime, or scored the overtime winner in that game to send the Islanders home. Um, so whoever wants to go first, I want you to just give, um, your analysis, just what you're, what you're expecting from the series and then, uh, your prediction of who's going to win in and how many games.
1: Yeah. So I have, uh, seen some stats thrown around. I want to throw a couple out where I give some analysis is that the Hurricanes won all three games on Long Island, I believe. Um, no, wait, never mind. The game three, the Islanders won, I think. So almost all the road games, but I know that the Hurricanes, are the only team to win a playoff series in the last five years. And a weird stat, I don't know if anyone to the Eric Hollis' stat. This is the third year in a row Eric Hall is playing the Hurricanes in the playoffs. He was on Boston last year and then Nashville during the division realignment in 2020. He actually played for the Hurricanes in 2020, in the year 2020 as well. Uh, Hall has a lot of playoff experience because he was on the cup final team with Vegas too, but, um, Anyway, for analysis, I think um, their best player in the first round was Sebastian Ajo. Seven, seven points in six games, four goals. He came up big there, um, losing Sveshnikov early in the year with the ACL injury, I believe, I think it was. But he's out for the playoffs. Teravine broke his hand during the season. He's out. For, I mean, during the series, he's out for the, I guess, the foreseeable future. But um, some other guys that were big in that series, uh Former Devil Stephen Nathan four points, uh, Brett Burns five assists, Jarvis four points, and then um, for the goalie situation, Ranta played the first five games of the series and was kind of passable, but he wasn't great. He had a 906 save percentage, and then they started Frederick Anderson for Game Six, and he was great in that one game, 33 saves on 34 shots, OT win to clinch the series. So uh, Hurricanes won the division for a reason. They're they're a really solid team. They both the season series with the Devils two wins apiece and they won the division by one point, so it's gonna be a tough series again for the Devils. It's gonna be close, a lot of a lot of physicality. Again, this is the playoffs. But um you know Devils winning four out of five and, you know, throughout the last five games in that I've seen stats of a less rested team those better in the next round or on a hot streak and the Hurricanes have had a little bit of rest. They've they've gone Nearly a whole week without playing. So for that reason, I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with Devils and Six. I think the Devils could, could wrap it up on home ice. If, if they could beat Igor, I think they could beat Ranta and Anderson. That's the way I see it.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you look at this Hurricanes team, this is a team that was really hitting its form, especially during, you know, the middle of the season, December, January. <clears throat> I remember they, they were on a really big, uh, hot streak and then, they lose Andrei Shvetnikov, uh later down the season, who was their best player this year. And like you mentioned, Tivo Tuber is also, you know, dealing with injuries. This is a team that's their offensive core, who really wasn't really super, well, or wasn't super amazing. You obviously, they had some great players. And Shvech, uh Aho, Martin Natchez, Paul Statsny, such Jarvis is solid. But their their offense got significantly worse. They don't really have an area where... I would say, especially now, they're truly elite without uh no stretch. I think this is a team that you're talking about also momentum. The Devils have all the momentum. They just won a game seven against the Rangers, who many people who had in their cup final was, you know, you talk about their first playoff win in over a decade for guys like Hughes. This is the first time they've won the playoffs and maybe even experienced the playoffs. So I think – the Devils are going to win this series, and I think they're going to win it pretty convincingly. I think it's going to be Devils in five. I, I truly think the Devils are just simply the better team here. You look at – I mean, especially if you look at Kira Schmidt now and that. I mean, Schmidt, they have the better goaltending right now, the better defense, the better offense. They've shown that they can play both physical and with pace. So I, I just think they're the better team overall than Carolina, and I think they're going to win this series pretty convincingly.
0: And I think – um When you think about um, both these teams and what they did against each other in the regular season, how even they were, I think at this stage of the season, I think it's pretty convincingly that the Devils are the better team. Um, I think without, I mean, losing Spechnikov is is killer. Um, Albeit, though, Spechnikov has not been one of their better playoff performances. He's been a Hurricane. Um, He wasn't great last season, and he really hasn't taken his game to that next level in the postseason. But not having him. I mean, Sebastian Ajo is all worldly and he's going to be, I think, the main problem for the Devils throughout much of this series. I think Martin Nate just as well. He only had three points in six games in that last series. I think he's going to step up, but, um, I expect this series. I don't think Schmidt is going to have nearly the numbers he had against the Rangers because again, Carolina plays a lot differently than the Rangers. They're much faster. They could score at even strength. And I think both goalies, you know, for each team, whether it's, it's Ranter or Anderson, or maybe even i will, will make a, a surprise appearance. Um, if, if both the other goalies get shelled by the Devils at any point, I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring, um, in terms of, you know, games could maybe end like four to three, um, you know, maybe even a five to four game. I really don't expect it to be many two, oh, two, one games. I think there'll be a couple here and there, but both these teams are, are explosive. I think, especially on the offensive end. But, again, the Devils roster, I think, is better than Carolina right now. I think the Devils, you know, getting past Igor Sterkin. Mike, you mentioned it best. That is probably going to be the hardest goalie they play unless they make the cup final and play Jay Godinger in the Stars because, again, they're going to play that tandem. And then on the other side, if they do advance to the conference finals, you're going up against Alex Lyon, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Ilya Samsonov. I mean, Igor Sterkin, I think, is we could safely say he's better than all those guys. Pretty convincingly, he was last year's Vezina winner. So if the Devils could solve he goes to Sterkin and beat their rivals, um, this Carolina team, for some reason, just there's something missing for this team. I can't even explain what it is. They're such a good regular season team. They have a ton of good players. Um, they don't, I mean, Sebastian Ajo is probably a superstar, you could say. Um, I think they're lacking, just, I think, really a superstar talent. I just feel like there's been something missing with this team. Um, I think they have a good core, but when it comes down to the postseason, they just don't play well once they hit a certain round. Uh, I mean, they lost in seven to the Rangers last year in a tough series. Um, But I just, I think this is a a way the Devils can go to the conference finals. I'm going to say Devils in 6-2. I was trying to make an argument for seven, but I just can't see Carolina keeping up with the Devils, um, especially on the offensive end. But that'll do it for our first round recap of Devils and the details. Big thank you to Mike Belfemini Ryan Henry for their analysis. And uh, we'll be back soon for whenever the Devils and Hurricanes series finishes up. But I've been John Height. And be, be sure you stay tuned to WSU sports coverage of the Devils throughout the postseason here on Devils in the Details.